0: health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 47 of Intuitive Bites podcast. For the show today, I'm chatting with Ashley Ceruya, who you may know from Instagram as Cozy Bay, and we are talking about navigating a fatphobic doctor's visit. So not too long ago, Ashley put out one of her amazing doodles on Instagram talking about this topic exactly, um, giving some, you know, input into different ways you can essentially navigate this, this type of visit, um, different tips and things like that. I'm interested in this topic because um, I recently was working with um, Maria Paredes on a resource that people can bring to the doctor's office to kind of give that little extra boost that you might need to refuse to be weighed, or you know, kind of ask for ask to be weighed only when it's medically necessary. So um, I just thought that it'd be great to have Ashley on to chat a little bit more about this topic. Um, hopefully, shed light on like what even what it even means to have a fat phobic doctor's visit, and like what what does it mean to experience weight stigma at a physician's office or in an appointment like that because I think that it's so normalized and it's so expected that it's hard to even pick up on um, the ways that that weight bias shows up here. So this is going to be a great conversation to listen to um, and definitely check out Ashley's work. Again, like I said, you can find her on Instagram at Cozy Bay if you're not already following her all of her images are amazing, um, and she gives some pointers as to how you can get those images yourself um, if you want to have them for your office or whatever, but also how you can find them online to be able to Zoom them and really fully appreciate them. So definitely check that out. You can also find Ashley on her website, which is Ashleymsaruya.com. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and listen in to my conversation with Ashley. All right, Ashley. So let's start by you please introducing yourself and a bit about the work that you are doing currently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, first, thank you for having me on. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, And yes, my name is Ashley. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I I have a bunch of different labels, so I guess I'll just kind of go through them. Um, I'm a virtual assistant I'm a current social work intern in my advanced year, my last year of uh, field work, and I am a content creator as well, and that that runs the gamut from uh, managing and creating content, visual content mostly, for uh, my virtual assistant uh, clients, as well as making digital and uh, illustrative content for myself, which mostly consists of um, health at every size, Mm. educational materials as well as just, uh, general mental health stuff.
0: Yeah. I have to say, I absolutely like love your images. I mean, I'm sure that's not a surprise. Like you just <laughs> do such a good job of like, um, not only making them look appealing and like amazing and you just want to read it, but also like just the way that you like break things down and like, you know, kind of make really, really complex <laughs> things simple, really. Um, so it's, it's awesome. I love it so much.
1: I super appreciate that. That's something that um, I have tried to do, I think, my whole life. My background is in writing. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm really have always been focused on taking sort of, you know, complex issues and breaking them down for people. Uh, And I think art is a really, really cool way to do that. You know, there are certain things that you can express that visually that you just simply can't express uh with words and again that's coming from a self-proclaimed writer so yeah um yeah it's definitely been uh really interesting sort of integrating a different medium into you know the way that i uh i guess communicate my messaging um but yeah no i super appreciate that awesome and you know another thing i was going to
0: ask you because i was looking at um, this particular image that we're going to talk about a little bit more today, I'm talking about navigating a fat phobic doctor's visit. But I was looking at that image and I realized that um, it can be hard to, to even read because you have like so oh, many. yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: you have them posted somewhere else, like on a website or something? Yeah, so, um, yes, they can be very difficult to read on Instagram <laughs> because it's a very small screen. Yes. Um, so I also, first of all, side point, you can actually zoom in on an Instagram post, which is a somewhat of a new feature, like within the last year or two. Yes. Um, so if you're on the post itself, you can zoom in. Um, I also always on Instagram try to, if not in the caption itself, then in the um the comments. I try to put whatever the um, written content is, I try to also have it typed out. Um, or I also will, or, or and, I will take um, pictures of the blurbs individually that are sort of hard to read uh, and we'll put them in uh, slides like a carousel on Instagram. So those are some various ways to to sort of see it on Instagram, but if you really want to like dig into the content a little bit more, I also do sell uh, digital PDFs on my website, and they're yeah. high res, uh, much easier to read. <laughs> um, and so that's what I would suggest uh, if you're if you're really wanting to use the like educational content more so than like oh this is a pretty thing because like you know it's a little bit of both.
0: Yes, totally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that that's at my website at ashleymsuruya.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so let's dive in a little bit deeper to this image that I'm talking about. You just posted it within, I think the past few weeks or something, but, um, I, I really appreciate it. I liked it and I want to talk a little bit more about it. So I guess to preface a little bit, like, you know, I've you know I've seen the statistics before and I've read before and you also mentioned it in this image that you created that doctors are some of the worst offenders of you know weight bias mm-hmm. um so I would be curious to kind of discuss with you a bit um, about like, the ways that this shows up because I think sometimes we can like say that okay like you know there's weight bias weight stigma but what does that really look like or mean in an appointment with a doctor
1: yeah that's a really great question and it's actually one that like I haven't addressed in my doodles just because as we've sort of pointed out already there's limited space right yeah. so you know all the things that I want to say don't always get said unfortunately exactly. um, but you know simultaneously as I mentioned I'm a social work student uh, and so I'm you know I'm in grad school right now and basically I take every paper as an opportunity to write about Hayes which is mm-hmm. fine um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. I've I think I've certainly, uh, informed some professors along the way, which has been really fun, but um, oh,
0: that's great. Yeah.
1: And so one of, for my, um, it was my research project, uh, for my social workers are required to take research one and two. And so for my research project, I wrote about weight stigma at the doctor's office and what that actually looks like. Um, so according to the research, um, there, that can look at a lot of different ways. Um, very often it looks like spending less time with the patient. It looks like,
0: um,
1: having actual negative attitudes towards the patient. So doctors were, um, in this one particular study, which I should have brought the citation for, but yes. now of course I can't remember it, but in any case, yeah. um, <laughs> there's this one study that, um, really focused on, uh, a doctor's attitudes towards a patient. Uh, specifically how it changed based on, based on the patient's BMI, which again, we don't want to measure things by BMI. I hate BMI, but that's yes. all the journals do it. So that's yes, like our only reference point. Um, so a lot of it was also um, sort of like fat stereotypes. So um, uh, doctors assuming that the patient that's just come in um, is lazy, dirty, <laughs> Um, you know, doesn't eat well, doesn't move their body well, you know, the, these sort of very common assumptions that yeah. fat people face every single day. Um, it just becomes this very um, saturated. It's almost like, I feel like, like in a lot of ways going to the doctor is this really um, illustrative, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: illustrative microcosm of like what fat public microaggressions look like and what they really um, feel like. Um, because yeah. I think that, at least according to the research, again, and and you know the research we have is limited, um, and you know there's there's lots of issues you know with it and stuff like that. But um, according to the research that we have, sorry, I'm I'm reading the doodle as I'm. As oh yeah, honest, so I'm, <laughs> my brain's kind of going in two different directions. Yes. Um. But yeah, it, it 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 definitely is basically like every negative fat microaggression you could think of um, shows up at the doctor's office. Yeah.
0: All in one, like tiny appointment. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> exactly.
1: like, you know, that's the f- 15 minutes, right. Cause you get there and then you wait the half hour and then you wait another 20 minutes just sitting there and you're yeah. like gown and let, let's hope the gown actually fits your body. Right. right. Because it's one, um, you know, and then, and yeah. the doctor comes in and, and they immediately will ask you, well actually the nurse will generally ask you, um, even before the doctor sees you to get on the scale. And then of course we have, um, you know, that conflict there, uh, depending okay. on, you know, if this individual is sensitive about their weight or has a history of eating disorders, which, you know, a, again, the, the research is limited in terms of um, describing fat people as having an eating disorder simply because mm-hmm. of the way the diagnostic criteria goes. But um, one of the very big uh, predictive risk factors for eating disorders is internalized weight bias. Yeah, And we also know that, yeah, we also know that internalized weight bias is highest among uh, people at the larger end of the BMI scale. So, um, we can, as well as, you know, obviously you and I are in the field and can see that, you know, this is a very real thing, but you know, yes. so the research might not bear that out yet. Um, but that's more of a fault of the, um, method than it is of, of the reality itself. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I yeah. just want to jump in and say something because
0: I, so I don't know if you're, you know this, but I've talked about it before on the podcast and shared it with people on Instagram, but my first job as a dietitian was in um, a bariatric surgery, weight loss mm-hmm. surgery clinic. And I just think that I, I, I feel like I saw such a, a different side to this problem than, than many do because I was you know, sitting with people who had, like you said, like had really experienced like to the fullest, this internalized bias um, and which for many of them had led them into, you know, the chair across from me. Um, and so I saw that within them. And in some situations I saw um, the ways that disordered eating and even eating disorders were, you know, have played a role in their lives. But I also saw the, you know, the doctors and the, you know, I I don't even want to just say doctors, but the other medical professionals, um, that I was working with, like the ways that they made assumptions. Like I saw these assumptions being made about these patients when something that just didn't make sense to them. Right. So like I would hear that, like, Right. you know, these patients would report to me, like, I'm only eating this much food. It's whatever. Um, I'm kind of, I'm following the guidelines that I'm quote unquote supposed to be eating to follow the diet after surgery or whatever. And their, their weight wasn't going down. So all of a sudden, all the medical professionals around me were like, well, they're obviously lying. Like this just doesn't make sense. And they're, they're liars. Like you know, so like it's that kind of attitude that is put onto these people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think it was Julie Duffy Dillon. When one of, it was either one of her podcast episodes or she was on Talking with Christy on, on Food Psych. It was one or the other. Yeah. Um, and, and she described the very same thing, you know, her clients coming to her and being like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and, and I'm still gaining weight. And, yes. you know, Julie sort of explained that, like, you know, in her training, she was literally told to not believe the patient. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think recently there's been conversation within the Hay space about noncompliance. You know, that's a, oh. another way to basically say that the patient isn't doing what you're, you told them to do and, and sure. sort of assuming that they're um, either purposely lying to you or lying to themselves and therefore yes. how they report to you is, is biased. So yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge problem for sure.
0: It is, yeah, wow. You know, another thing I, I had I had written some notes down before we chatted, and I wanted to bring this up because I've heard mm-hmm. this from people, um, just regarding some of the ways that like weight bias can show up at, at a doctor's visit. And mm-hmm. I've heard from people things like you know, kind of the doctor automatically assuming that they have. Um, diabetes or -hmm. or, you know glucose control or whatever just based on their size when they've never had any history of that problem so it can be making assumptions about like these diagnoses that they would assume would be you know you'd have at that size
1: yeah and whether it's you know someone coming in and and you know you're reading their chart for the first time and you look at them and you say well you have diabetes right you know just Mm -hmm. because you're assuming someone who's fat would have diabetes and then. Um, you know, sort of along the same vein, someone coming in with an ailment of some kind, you know, they're coming to the doctor to be treated. Um, um, their symptoms are very often, I shouldn't even say they, I should say we, because it includes me as well. Mm-hmm. Our symptoms are often um, boiled down to, well, you you need to lose weight and then we can talk about the other, other stuff. Right. Yeah.
0: You which know, is and, and the reality
1: like- is, is that like, Oh, no, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, which is kind of like a dismissive or like, or it's kind of dismissive or like brushing off the issue, you know?
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, you know, we have so many horror stories within the community itself. You know, I think it was Reagan Chastain who has that story about going to the doctor with strep throat, which like you need antibiotics for strep throat. That doesn't go <laughs> away on its own. You can't lose weight and cure strep throat, you know? Um And some of them can sound hyperbolic, you know, but, but there happens to people, you know, I think it was, um, uh, someone recently, is their username free black girl? There's, there's an individual in the community, a black fat woman in the community who recently has been diagnosed with heart condition that was missed for years. Um, you know, like she could have literally had a heart attack, um, and went to the doctor, because she felt something was wrong, and the doctor repeatedly was like, "Nope, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. You need to lose weight." Wow. Um, you know, and yeah. so it's it it really boggles the mind a little bit because proponent or not proponents of, but people who are very anti-haze will very often come from this place of, "Oh, well, I'm you know I'm worried about you know an individual's health. I'm worried about the health of the nation. I'm worried about how much money we spend on yes. you know obesity-related diseases," quote unquote. You know. Right. Um, but. The, the reality is that a health at every size approach, a weight inclusive approach is actually the most health promoting approach that we have, at least in terms of the evidence-based frameworks that we have available to us right now. So, um, you know, if you're really concerned about people's health, then you need to acknowledge the fact that weight is a limiting uh, factor. It is not something that really gives you very much information at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Doctors need to do better. And unfortunately it's not, it's not even that, uh, that it's all on the doctors, right? Part of it is due to their training. Part yes. of it is due to the way our, our insurance works, right? You only get 15 minutes with a client. You only uh, get, what is it like four hours of training and nutrition, you know, yes. <laughs> you don't get any training and eating disorders. Right. Yes. So, you know, we're asking our primary care providers to do a lot. And I think that also needs to be acknowledged because Um, If we really want to create a world where fat people are treated well at the doctor's office, then we need to create a medical training program that actually includes bias training, um, you know, that talks about how the healthcare system impacts different people differently, right, because this isn't just an issue for fat people, this is also an issue for people of color, for people in the queer community, specifically the trans community. And we also want to remember that there are people who occupy all of these identities, right? So when they walk into the room, they've got all of these different elements to their identity that they know they're going to most likely get pushback, be belittled in some way, be cared for in a way that isn't health promoting. Um, so we really, you know, I think, in the bigger picture sense, we need to take yes. a really, really good look at the way that we're training healthcare providers um, across the board, but especially within, uh, you know, specifically within the medical community. Because I think that you know, social work, for example, it's more of a social science. Not, it's considered a not a hard science, right? Yeah. And so we we do make space for, you know, again, we're not perfect by any means, but in comparison to other healthcare fields, we do make space for social justice context, you know, we we have a a micro meso macro view on things, we never look at things from just one perspective. Um, And I think that's really valuable. Uh, But you know, like when I was an undergrad, for example, I, I did a minor in nutrition. And so I had to take a bunch of um, health classes with a bunch of pre med kids. And they're just not learning that perspective at all.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so huge. And I think I really appreciate you bringing this topic up, up of that. Like, it's not just about like, okay, like we need to like fix all the, you know, the ways that the current doctors are taking care of their patients, which is huge. I mean, we totally do, but like, we can't just like chase around everyone, you know, that's all right. Start like training people properly. And you're right. Like it goes for dieticians, you know, as well, mm-hmm. it goes for, you know, a lot of other healthcare workers. So that's, that's kind of where we kind of solve the problem before, hopefully before it becomes like a real problem. Although we know that this is like systemic and cultural and whatever. So it's kind of going way back.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, it's that very, um, poignant image of like, you're standing by, uh, you're standing on a hill and there's a river flowing by and you see all this trash flowing by. And you're picking up the trash because, you know, you want to save the environment. And then you look up and you realize that there's a factory dumping more and more trash down the river. Yeah. Right? So it's like we can and should do what we can on an individual level to address these issues. But we also need to be looking at the bigger picture because if we actually want to stop this for good, then we have to look at the root of the problem. And, and the root very often um, or at least not necessarily the root, but what perpetuates the problem, right? Because the root of a problem is actually often different than what perpetuates the problem. So, excuse me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, no, you know, being being very um, cognizant of what perpetuates the problem and then where interventions can occur, right? Because, yes, we can talk about all these problems um, and we should talk about these problems, but we also need to talk about the solutions. So, you know, what does having, you know, we talk about culturally competent care, in all healthcare fields, um, you know, why does that not include fat people? Right. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I I have my guesses as to why it's not included, but, you know, I I just think that in general, we, we really need to be as a, as a, you know, a healthcare field together, um, Mm. challenging what our field looks like and, and how we take care of those around us. Because I think ultimately our goal, all of our goals are, are truly the same and that we want people to live the best lives that they can, right? Yes. I think that, you know, we, some of us get lost in not understanding that what one person's best life looks like isn't necessarily what another person's best life looks like. Uh, sure. And, you know, understanding that, yes, we have a- expertise. And yes, we bring information into the room, but so do our clients. And so do the people around us. Um, You know, the people with lived experience, they're the ones who should be driving the conversation in terms of what those interventions look like. Yeah, that's super helpful.
0: Let me let me ask you a question. So I want to transition a bit and ask you like, what are the ways like for the people that are listening who are like, you know, I've had these you know, horrible doctor's visits, there's really like stressful anxiety inducing visits, like, what are the ways that they can begin to advocate for themselves in these at these doctor's visits?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, one thing I think that it's important to remember is that in in society, at least in America in the States, um, and, and largely in the West in general, we look at doctors as an authority figure right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's yes. like going to the principal, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, going to see a doctor and challenging what they have to say, even asking questions, you know, that can feel really, really anxiety provoking, especially for someone who's marginalized or multiply marginalized, because people in that position very often are more likely to be punished if they um, speak out against whatever it is they're experiencing, right? Yes. so you know, that off the bat needs to be acknowledged, Um, as well as the fact that, you know, we don't really teach people how to be critical of authority figures. We don't teach people how to communicate with authority figures. Um, You know, even the fact that we have this idea of an authority figure and the hierarchy, all of these things are in place that prevent people from being able to advocate for themselves. So I think, you know, taking some somewhat of a, a larger um view on it all and and thinking about okay you know what what places in my life are there authority figures that i do feel i can challenge what do those relationships look like and what pieces you know how do how i behave in that relationship you know can i copy and paste that to my relationship with this doctor for example
0: yeah. um so i
1: think taking it out of out of the doctor um, can, can sometimes be really helpful because there are lots of relationships in our lives that look like this, that have these power imbalances that make these, um, interactions really difficult. Uh, and then, you know, looking more specifically at the doctor, you know, in general, more specifically in general, um, (laughs) um, you know, uh, there's a bunch of different things that can be done, uh, you know, but I also think that we need to acknowledge that sometimes you don't feel like you can stand up for yourself. Um, and that can be a really traumatizing, um, experience. Uh, Um, and And if you
0: feel this pressure, like, okay, I'm, I have to go do this or, you know, like it just, it can feel very overwhelming. And I, I totally, (laughs) totally can understand that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why, you know, another big tip, and it's probably one of the um, best, if you're someone who's never done this before, has trouble self-advocating in general, has trouble with boundaries in general, having someone to come and advocate on your behalf um, yeah. can be really, really helpful. Now, that, you know, again, some people are not in circumstances where they can bring a parent in or a caretaker in. Um, you know, that might mean, uh, you know, getting on the phone with a health at every size dietitian and asking if that person can talk to the doctor for you. Um, you know, like there, there are different ways, you know, maybe it's a teacher, maybe, you know, like, unfortunately we can't assume that everyone has the resources or the social support to, you know, have someone on hand who believes in health at every size and can go with them and advocate them for them, excuse me, at the doctor. Um, so we have to sort of be creative about solutions for that as well. But, you know, the other thing too, lie. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't even, like, as someone who has struggled with an eating disorder, I have zero problem with someone who goes to the doctor, asks to not be weighed, gets pushed back, and says, no, I have an eating disorder history. I can't do this. Yes. Who doesn't actually have an eating disorder. I have no issues with that. And quite honestly, like, if... Lying or fibbing or whatever it is (laughs) is going to make your experience at that doctor's office more uh, tolerable than that. you're allowed to do that. You know, Um, I wouldn't make lying to your primary care provider like a habit just because in theory they're there to help you um, and to help you monitor your health. But if you're in a situation where you can't find a new doctor uh, because that's the other problem is, you know, potentially finding a health and every size aligned doctor or at least one that will work with you on your uh, approach to health, even if that's not necessarily the paradigm they subscribe to.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: because those people are out there as well. True. Um, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. That was Doesn't like, <laughs>
0: even like we kind of graze over it because like, you know, it's a thing, but, but some people don't even realize that like they can refuse to be weighed. So I think it's yep. important to like say that too. Like you can't, first of all, yes, go ahead. Like say like you struggle with an eating disorder to like kind of help like both that a bit and like make it yep. hopefully smoother. But also like you can just try and say no, because I've heard several, you know, people's experiences where they've just gone in and said, no, like I don't want to be weighed today or like, no, yep. I whatever and like sometimes it goes
1: smoothly <laughs> like yeah it does not, yeah and and i think that's important to point out too like yes you might have a bad experience but you also could have a good one yes. you know and you also could show up and like your doctor could be totally on board with health at every size exactly um, you, never you know, know. <laughs> it, you never know and like it's unfortunate that many of us approach those situations feeling you know like with our our hair standing up on the back of yes. our neck um because we've had such bad experiences but you know I will say that in the last five years or so, um, and this wasn't without legwork on my end, but I have found providers who I feel safe with. Um, and it's yeah. taken a lot of time and you know, it's taken conversations with, with those providers. Like even my psychiatrist, for example, she was not helped at every size when I first started seeing her. Um, and I remember I was, I was speaking to her about you know, my eating disorder and how I experienced it. And I remember at some point, you know, I was explaining to her that not having a, a top threshold on how much I was allowed to weigh was really important in terms of, you know, making peace with my body and being able to yeah. like function. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember her saying, but you don't want to gain too much weight. Right. Wow. And I was like, back up. <laughs> we need to have a conversation. Yes. Right. Right. And like I've been in, I've been in therapy now for six years, and yeah. I've had a therapist previously. Um, and my current therapist made it very clear that if any conflict were to arise within our therapeutic relationship, that that was to be addressed within session, and for us to process it together. Yeah. I had all of that information. Not everyone who goes to therapy or even has, like, not everyone has access to therapy, right? Yes. But then <laughs> for those of us that do, um, not all of us will have a haze informed therapist. Not all of us will have a therapist who, when you bring them haze, they look at it critically and say, oh, this makes a lot of sense. I think I'm going to incorporate this into my practice, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know? But if you don't take the chance then you're definitely never going to have that therapist.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like you had mentioned kind of earlier, you know, it's important to note that like with your experience as well, like maybe someone doesn't know what health at every size is, or maybe they're not, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not knowledgeable about it, but maybe they will be like you're saying, open to working with it. Um, And I think that's, that's probably for most people, that's going to be the more likely scenario, at least at this point. So it's, you know, it's worth trying. But I I thank you so much for for sharing your experience. And yeah, just everything. And I also just thank you for your work. um, Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's really impacted me. And I I really appreciate it. I would love for you to share with everyone that's listening, um, where they can find you any resources that you have available. I know you've already mentioned a couple. um, And also any resources that pertain to what we talked about today that you know of that might be helpful to people going into the doctor?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, as far as where you can find me, uh, most of my work is housed on Instagram. I'm on there as Cozy Bay. That's C-O-Z-I-B-A-E. And you can also find all of my work on my website, ashleymceria.com. And my last name is spelled S-E-R-U-Y-A. And you can uh, see all of my artwork in my shop. It's all available for purchase um, and so I do have my doodle in there. That's, uh, about going to a phobic doctor's visit, which, um, we actually, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, and it has some more concrete uh, examples of how to challenge the doctor that I don't think we really got into, but yeah. I'm totally okay with that because like, I think the bigger picture is, is more what we need to talk about anyway. Totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking for, you know, more concrete solutions, I suggest that doodle. I also suggest, um, I believe it's the Radical Health Alliance. They have another guide on dealing with the doctor's office. Reagan Chastain also has one um, that is easily printable that you can just like print out and hand to your doctor and be like, here, this is this is how I do things. Yes. Um, and I know that you and Maria Pretas also just made uh, a similar sort of cheat yeah. sheet guide as well. Uh, So Those are all super, super helpful. And those are all the ones that I send to people when they're going through this because it is um, a very common thing. I also know that Melissa Fabello wrote an article specifically about declining being weighed. Um, I can't remember the article title offhand, but I'm sure if you look up Melissa Fabello um, weighing at the doctor, it would come right up. Awesome. I think that's that's, ex- okay.
0: that's an extensive list. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I'm going to look up all of them. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you again, Ashley. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys, that is a wrap on this episode with Ashley Seruya. If you want to find more of her amazing artwork, her doodles online, you can find them easily on Instagram at Cozy Bay. So it's C-O-Z-I-B-A-E. And you can also go to her website, ashleymseruia.com and order some prints of her amazing doodles. She does such an amazing job of breaking these complex concepts down. So definitely highly recommend checking that out. And if you are interested in getting one of my diet culture is a liar stickers, you can go to my Instagram, which is at the underscore RD, and just click the link in my bio and you can easily send through an order form for your stickers. That is all I have for you guys right now. I will hopefully be back very soon with another episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, leave me a review on, on iTunes. That's the word. Uh, leave me a review on iTunes um, or a rating. That would be highly appreciated. I hope you guys have an awesome week, and I'll talk to you soon.